we're live. It's, we're good to go. Another win, man. I am much real. I have my man, Sian Najad, here with me tonight. We're talking PGA. We're talking uh, NFL, not NBA today. We're talking MLB. We have some EPL on lock, and we are ready to rock and roll. So, see, yeah, I got to ask, man, how your lineup's doing? How your bet's looking? Are you, are you, uh, you in the money yet? So... You know, you know how sometimes like in the NBA, they talk about how the NBA doesn't start until the fourth quarter, at least from a regular season standpoint. Okay. So this is this is like a cop out answer. But but for me, and I think I might have mentioned this last week, like golf PGA DFS doesn't start until basically after Friday afternoon when when you have cut, because I'll tell you, and this was the same with last week. Thursday wasn't so great for me. Friday, I rebounded. And then by Sunday, I had doubled my my DFS money, and I, and I had made a lot from a betting standpoint. I'll tell you, though, full disclosure, today didn't go that well for me. And it was partly because I had a full fade of Webb Simpson and Jordan Spieth, who made five birdies in a row on the front nine after triple bogeying, bogeying I think, his second or third hole. So, so far, not so good, um, but I've got a lot of things cooking. I've got some outrights. I actually have uh, an outright on Ian Poulter, which is interesting because it's like 70 to 1. A yeah. couple other guys, Abraham Answer, my standard you know, crew, Patrick Reed. So you know, those guys are in contention. But as far as DraftKings is concerned, you know, we'll, we'll need to update that tomorrow because right now it's a, little, it's a little shaky. Yeah, last week, man, I started out hot. All my lineups were in the money. Made it all the way to first place a couple times. I had two, three lineups in the top 10 at one point. This week, not quite the same thing. Not looking so hot right now, but I'm still excited for it. It's still an awesome time. You know, as as we saw last week, there's a lot of swings. You kind of have to wait till the end of the round. You can't get to. I have Ian Poulter in a lineup. Uh, I have Harrison English in a lineup. So Harris English. Yeah, Harris. I apologize. Harris mm-hmm. English. Uh, there's, there's a couple other guys. I also have Rory, who's uh, kind of dicking me right now. So I'm not super excited about that. But, you know, and that's that's the, the like kind of the beauty and the beast of golf is is like, OK, Rory's the best golfer in the world. I mean, there's some debate there. Maybe Justin Thomas, maybe John Rahm on a good day. You know, you know, Brooks Kepka a year ago was considered. The, but the point is, there is no reason Rory should have been so bad today there's just no reason for it his game isn't necessarily like a perfect fit for this course but he has a game that's fit really for any course so Mm -hmm. it it really the beauty part of golf is that you know for those who faded Roy McIlroy you know what what they're really doing is saying well Roy's really good but he's not good every tournament that's not how golf works You, you can win three tournaments in a year and have an amazing year so you know, I had Roy in a lot of lineups too, and and I, you know, I, I was I supported him. If you remember on Tuesday, I said at, of that top tier, I liked Rory, I liked Rom because of um just because of uh, mm-hmm. ownership leverage, I like Rom and I like Justin Thomas, and really none of them did really well today. I mean, it was really Webb Simpson coming back and Jordan Spieth, but um, you know, we'll see what tomorrow holds. But that's what golf is. You know, you you don't necessarily pick the the top tier guys. You know, you find your middle tier guys that are that you think are going to be good. And we found a lot of those, but frankly, our top tier guys really didn't do anything. So, you know, so it goes, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. We will always see. And I'm, I'm always very excited. It, it is a blast. And yeah, I mean, it's the, the tournament, the RBC Heritage started off with an absolute bang. I mean, Jordan Spieth triples in what the first like three or four holes and everyone's like, all right, let's go. Let's watch it happen. And then on the back nine, was he seven under? I think it was like some ridiculous number. Just on the back nine, it, you look at his scorecard and it's just birdies everywhere. And it's I yeah, crazy, I believe man. he. He's crazy. I, it, I've never seen anything like it. If you want to know the truth, I think he birdied six out of his last seven holes, and he had he had a streak of five in a row. 
And what's really funny about that is, is, is my biggest bet this week is a matchup bet. And it's Gary Woodland versus Jordan Spieth. And of course, these aren't bets for money, Michael. Mm-hmm. These are for entertainment purposes only, obviously. However, nonetheless, what? I see that Jordan Spieth triple bogeys. It was either his second or his third hole. I am practically counting my money at that point. Now, this is a 72-hole matchup. It's not even like it's not just the first round. Either way, whether it was 72 holes or whether it was a first round bet, I would have just been like, all right, that that cash is in my pocket. Let me figure out where I'm going to spend it or what I'm going to bet that money on next. And then the next thing you know, he a couple birdies here and there and then boom, five in a row. And then, of course, Gary Woodland, who should have been automatic on this course, comes out and is immediately plus two. Again, this is golf. But he rebounds and he ends up minus two. Gary Woodland does. So he's in contention. My matchup bet is still live. He's only three strokes back. But uh, it's just very interesting. You, you mentioned it, the triple bogey. I saw some people on Twitter, um, a couple you know, of the, the experts, if you will, uh, not with us, but with other outfits. They were like, oh, Jordan Spieth is back after his triple bogey. Yeah, and it was yeah. like the perfect like reverse jinx because right after that, Jordan Spieth became the Jordan Spieth of 2016. And you know, here we are. It was it was crazy to watch because I because I, he, he teed off really early, um, mm-hmm. so I didn't get the opportunity with again with just you know how smart golf is you know why why let us watch one of the biggest names in golf when you can you know not let us do that so I mean it just makes <laughs> complete sense when you think about it from their perspective and so I'm. Um, I, I see that on Twitter. I start laughing. It's like, all right, yes, Jordan Spieth is back. I think I might have seen the exact same thing. Maybe you retweeted it. I don't even know. But I saw that. I laughed really hard. Went back to doing my thing. And then I throw on the the golf network a couple you know hours later. And I'm looking. And it's like Jordan Spieth minus five. I was like, wait, what? That's impossible. You had a triple already. Like, there's no no way. And then they throw up his card. And it's like, oh, my God. He just went bananas on that back nine. And you know, just completely change the narrative change to it like now who who's coming out tomorrow see ya you have if are you gonna put is there a bet can we bet on which jordan spieth shows up tomorrow it's a it's a good question i mean if i so the way my website works you have a you have three ball matchups so he will jordan will be paired with two other people as opposed to just one but you know in the discord chat we were talking to people who have like strictly you know straight up matchup bets and depending on the matchup you know jordan will be sort of overvalued tomorrow from a matchup standpoint i mean you can't that was his that was his lowest nine of his career, I believe, or it was tied for his lowest nine in terms of he shot a 29 on, on the front nine, which was his back nine. So going into tomorrow, his price will be inflated. So if he is up against, I don't know, even a Gary Woodland, for example, uh, he, I mean, maybe a Webb Simpson, I, I think anybody would probably take Webb there. So if we just took the Gary Woodland example, I would probably lean Gary Woodland because his price is probably going to be like a plus 120 versus, you know, or maybe a plus 110 versus Jordan, you know, minus 130 or something. So there is value in kind of fading Jordan tomorrow just because of how inflated that value will be after today. So it's an it's an interesting question. Um, I'm always on the fade Jordan train, at least right now. So as well as he did, he was definitely locked in in a zone. But, you know, I, I don't see it really happening tomorrow. Um, you know, Webb Simpson has an early morning uh, tea time tomorrow. I could see him maybe continuing what he did today, which is a little scary because I have no stock in him. But I'll tell you, a couple guys I kind of like, DJ tees off in the morning. We talked on Tuesday how we didn't think he really practiced over over the mm-hmm. pandemic break, and maybe last week was sort of his practice, and maybe he's sort of getting, quote, back into the swing of things, no pun intended. But that's actually possibly true. 
and he shot pretty well today. His number actually doesn't reflect how well he did. I could see him going out and putting, you know, a minus four, a minus five, and putting himself in position for the weekend to catch all of these guys. So he is actually going off. I looked it up before we we came on. He's he's going off at thirty three to one right now. So you could put you know ten bucks on DJ, and mm-hmm. you know it's you know worth three thirty. I noticed um, uh, Christian Bezetenhout. Uh, is 80 to one. I actually like him. He's got a morning tea time tomorrow too, I believe. And uh, he was rock solid today. He's kind of an under the radar guy. So I might be adding those guys to my um, Poulter, Damon and answer and read outrights. But outside of that, you're right. Look, look for some matchups. You know, we'll be on discord. Discord was really like, Oh yeah, I tweeted about it. It was really like, for lack of a better term, going off from five o'clock to about midnight actually yeah. i i ended up going to bed but of course a, a couple of our other mm-hmm. pros um sicily kid and patrick w- were on i think until like two in the morning but the point is is you know that's active even before we came on we had some subscribers chiming in about their thoughts and uh it's it's actually kind of exciting after this show i'm gonna dive right back in there and see what we got for showdown and some matchup bets and things like that yeah it was it was an absolute blast last night i, I was trying to put my lineups in getting everyone's ideas and takes and understanding again discord is free for three days go hop in there just take a look just take it just check it out i mean you get everything we i know we talk a lot about pga here because it's you know one of the only things that's back and that's where the the discord's going craziest especially that wednesday night and especially also because the tournament teed off at like 6 45 this morning Mm -hmm. which was kind of frustrating i mean last week at least was like 7 50 i think so at least gave the east coast time to wake up i mean you know, if I'm getting up at six, like I normally do, the first thing on my mind is not let me put those DFS golf lineups in. But I don't know. If, is that a good thing, actually? Or is that a bad thing now that I think about it? Well, it's a necessary evil because they have to finish, you know, the, the afternoon yeah. tea time guys have to finish by like six, six thirty, seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. But the, the problem with that, to your point, is that sometimes, especially in this COVID period, you could have guys that withdraw. What if they so- somehow are symptomatic? Maybe they don't even test positive for COVID, but they have like a sore throat or all of a sudden the temperature and they just they're like, OK, I got to take every precaution possible. I'm going to withdraw from the tournament. And you thought they were fine when you went to bed mm-hmm. at, you know, 1145 last night. So those things happen. We had a few guys withdraw from this tournament, but fortunately it was like a couple days beforehand. If you remember, I liked a guy that was 6,400 in, in DraftKings. His name was Cameron Tringali. I liked him a lot, actually. But um, anyway, he withdrew a couple days, you know, before, you know, this morning. But yeah, you're right. It's tough. But, you know, by the way, I know you're not like super big into golf DFS until a week ago, but you know, these are on the East Coast. You're going to have the 645, 630, 7 o'clock tee times. That's just mm-hmm. the nature of the beast. If you're lucky enough to have a tournament in California or Texas like it was last week, you're looking at 745, you know, 1045, what have you. Okay, that's good to know. I'll make sure to keep that in mind because we have another one coming up next week too and I think another one the week after that. And, and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. You're going to be in your glory, man. We're going to get to talk so much PGA. So um, a couple more questions. I mean, what are, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the guys, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. What are, what are you paying attention to for Friday, tomorrow, to come away as, you know, we spoke about it last week and I was kind of curious and this is why it's fun because I get to understand, you know, the how, how your mind works, especially as you said, you know, you're going to put some pre-flop, you're going to put some outright bets in on Thursday. You're kind of going to see what happens Thursday and Friday and then maybe do a couple more on Saturday. So what are you looking for tomorrow from maybe a couple of specific guys? You've already mentioned a few, but maybe there's a couple more you have in your back pocket that you're looking to, you want to see them do, right? Is, is Rory, is, is there a chance now? I mean, he's plus whatever, plus one or two, I think. Is it worth to maybe if his price is if his value is there, is it worth it to check it out today? Or are you kind of just going to let the, the, the wheel stay in motion, stay to your process and see what happens tomorrow 
before you throw in a couple more bets on Saturday. Yeah, it's interesting you ask because I'm looking now on DraftKings and Rory's 55 to 1. I mean, it's like literally a number you're never going to see again. Um, with that said, I tend to... I tend to sort of soften my stance post-Thursday. It's really Saturday morning that I really start to get live with a lot of the mm-hmm. matchup bets. Um, and part of the reason for that is is I have a lot more information, for one, because I have two rounds of data. But more importantly, by, by Saturday, you have prices that are just inflated because a guy might have had a couple days that were great. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, he's getting bet really hard. So his price is changing. So I try to find the value, like players I liked before the tournament that made the cut that maybe haven't really been hot Thursday or Friday. I try to hammer them on Saturday against the guy who's like super hot and maybe three or four strokes ahead of the guy that um he's going against. So mm-hmm. I usually look for Saturday and Sunday to make those, a lot of those outright bets. I did mention DJ just because I think 33 to one, from an outright standpoint is still pretty good value he did look pretty good today and the, there, there are a number of people ahead of him but there's only a couple that i'm really afraid of and that would probably uh, you know frankly jordan speed isn't one of them i don't think bryson's going to win this tournament i am afraid of webb simpson and uh believe it or not you know daniel berger and of course colin morikawa but if dj gets hot like jordan did today you know you never know and so 33 to 1 i think is a good price christian bezettenhut i just think is an under radar radar guy that i probably should have taken pre-flop but i didn't getting 80 to 1 on a guy that is really great on approach and showed that today uh, on a on a course that actually needs it um that's good i mean 80 to 1 it's just fun money you know you put 5 yeah. bucks on that and you you know you have a sweat on sunday so yeah that's just for fun and if it if it comes out we're going to have our friend austin come on in a second he uh I know he didn't lose $1,200. We're getting into semantics at that point. But in my mind, if you're in the playoff and your guy doesn't win, you lost $1,200. So, Austin, we're very excited to bring you on in a couple minutes. Just a few more questions for Sia here. Is Who who are you looking at um, in terms of surprises for, for, for the better and for the worse? Obviously, we've already talked about Rory. We've talked about Jordan. Are there any other guys that you've really kind of watching? You're just like, wow, I can't believe he imploded that badly. Or I mean, Ian Poulter at minus seven, does that actually stick? Or is that just kind of like Harold Varner last week? It's not like Harold Varner last week, because Poulter is a little bit better than Varner, but particularly on a course like this, Poulter's stats the last, um, I think five years at this court are pretty remarkable. Like he is just very good at this course. Mm -hmm. He always kind of dominates it. So he actually has some staying power. I kind of expect him to be there Sunday, not necessarily to win it, but I actually expect him to be there down the back nine, you know, within a shot or two or three, you know, to be relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, what really surprises me, frankly, is Bryson keeps crushing the ball and it keeps going straight. And I just, I like, he is challenging this course and it's working out for him. And I just don't understand how that's still happening and honestly it's crazy to say it but i'm gonna look for matchups against him and I, i'm gonna look to fade him if i can because i i mean i might be wrong but but i just don't see how he doesn't get caught up with his own like you know hulk maniac mm-hmm. power and ends up in the trees you know you know three holes in a row and gets super frustrated and then starts mailing it in i think bryson's great i already have a bet on him futures bet in for the masters that i put in like three or four months ago but i just he keeps challenging the course, and I just think the course is going to bite back. So Bryson is surprising me in a good way, but it won't be surprising to me at all if he starts to fade and, and starts to get frustrated because these are thin fairways, and he's tagging them every time, but I just don't see it happening long-term on a course like this. Outside of that, in terms of surprises, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised about Webb. He was he was automatic. I'm really surprised about Rory. You know, I'm looking down the list. You know, I'm... 
Justin Rose was really bad today. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Kuchar, I mean, he, he rebounded a little bit, but um, Matt Kuchar is this guy, especially in the DFS community, everybody just sort of hammers him. Like he's so popular. And I just, you know, I kind of fail to see the upside and he proved it today. Like he's just, you know, if it's between like a Tony Finau and a Matt Kuchar, I'm not even a Tony Finau guy, but the upside with Finau these days seems to be better than Matt Kuchar. And I think Kuchar let a lot of people down. I guess I'm not too surprised, but I did have him in a couple lineups, admittedly. Um, you know, I, I think I think from, you know, in, in, in NFL DFS, I'm always looking for upside, whether it's a year-long draft or that particular week. And sometimes when you're looking at upside, you're sacrificing the floor. Like the floor yeah. might be really low for these, quote, upside guys. But I think in golf DFS, especially when you're in, in that Millie Maker or, or, you know, some of these big GPPs, you really have to fo- – and I understand Matt Kuchar can win. He has a great history here. But I really think you have to focus on the upside here and now. And Matt Kuchar really hasn't shown us here and now that he's doing it. And so take the Tony Finals, you know, take the guys, even the Jordan Spieths, who I faded, like there is obvious upside there because he was great mm-hmm. last week. And it's a similar type course. Again, I didn't like it, but I would understand the argument if you played him. So I guess sort of that's my message. Just play the guys that you think could take a rocket ship to first place. If it's a guy that just kind of muddles through the golf course, yeah, he could get towards the top. But, you know, guys like Matt Kuchar, they're just they're just not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the the uh, Bryson DeChambeau point you make, it it is really interesting. Again, when I was watching the coverage today, Brandon Chambly or whatever the hell that guy's name is, don't really like him. Maybe it's his face, maybe it's its name. I don't know. Come on the pod though. Um, when I when I, he he was talking about it too, he's like, yeah, it's it's mathematically like physically, none of it makes sense. He shouldn't be able to do that, but he's he's done it. He did it last week, obviously. He was in what, but you know what? He was one shot behind the leaders. And this week, I mean, through a day, again, it's just a day, right? So we're, we're through five days. You know, how, how big is that sample size? Not very big. But if he continues to do it, they said he might be unstoppable at some point because it's like kind of unfair to think he can hit it that far and yeah, still hit it that straight and still hit his fairways, which is just crazy. So hopefully it stays that way, man. So I'll tell you, um, first of all, two things to say about the coverage. First of all, I think it is at 10 o'clock. No, excuse me. It's at 12 o'clock. The PGA Tour radio coverage starts on Sirius XM. I believe that's channel 92. I got to tell you, um, I don't know, you know, on Golf Channel, you can watch it. I think the coverage begins at one o'clock. So you have an hour lead with the PGA Tour Golf Radio. But I'll tell you, if you don't like the announcers or you don't like Brandon Shamley on the Golf Channel, I'm telling you, the PGA Tour radio is really fantastic. Like, the announcers, and I'm forgetting their names right now. They're, they're they're very famous. They're very good at what they do. They've been doing it for a long time. I'm telling you, these guys announce golf like you've never heard before. I mean, they are just so artistic with their words, and it's it's just really really impressive. So if you're ever just in the car and you uh, hopefully everybody has SiriusXM again, Channel 92, you listen to us on Channel 87 Fantasy Sports on Saturdays and Sundays, seven to nine. But these guys are really good. So pick up the coverage at 12. I mean, I know you can probably watch it on the PGA Tour app if you're paying and subscribing to all of that stuff, but definitely pick up the coverage on the PGA um the PGA Tour channel because it is really 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 good. It I have not been able to check it out yet because I've been in my house, so I really haven't had to. And in the golf watching it on the golf channel is not terrible because even if you are just watching the coverage, they still kind of it's it's not like completely following the golfers, but they pretty much show you every shot anyway. So it's really <laughs> not even that bad in the morning, but it's still funny to me that again, they have this opportunity. It's like baseball, which we'll get to la- uh, later. We didn't talk about baseball on Tuesday, thankfully, but we get to yell and scream some more about it today, but very excited. See ya. We will see what happens. Very excited. So everyone make sure you hop in the discord chat. As I said, it is free. You get to talk to Sia. He's going to have all his matchup bets, his match plays. He's going to figure out 
who's going to win. He had a bunch of bets last week, and we're probably going to go over all of them again on Tuesday and talk about them. But win free money. See, he's giving you all this information. He's giving it to you because you're in the Discord and you're hanging out with us. You're sweating with us. You're having fun with us. Take advantage of it, man. It's Hey, and let me... Michael, sorry to interrupt. Let me tell you, because I'm I'm literally looking at our Discord chat right now on my laptop. Oh. And and by the way, it's it, you know, I'm I, I don't I don't even know if I'm, you know, second or third fiddle here because Patrick and Steven are mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, if if, if you I, I hope you were in there reading what uh specifically what Steven was talking about at, at Sicily Kid in terms of where he was getting his ownership uh percentages, because you can get those from a lot of different places. And they're like really off, certain places are really off and certain places really on. Well, meet Sicily Kid because he has this program that pinpoints it and it's amazing. I mean, it is literally like we 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 you know we had we had the opportunity to cross-check it this morning when the actual numbers came out. And some of the numbers that some of these sites had were like off by more than a few percentage points and the numbers he was touting yesterday that you really couldn't find anywhere but thanks to his program we could mm-hmm. were right on point i'm not just saying that that's like a real actual thing but by the way the discord chat right now is just like literally going off in the golf channel so it Love is it. it's like a family environment there it's fantastic and this isn't like it's not a recruitment tool really as much as it is like hey you need to get in here and see what this is like for yourself you need exactly. to see it you need to feel it it's it's a different ball game here I I'm excited to hit, hit it hit it up in a, a couple hours after we're done here and after I'm finished putting everything up. But no, it's it's incredible to see, as you said, it's that family feel, which is a blast. Um, I mean, we still have showdown slates. We have that new tiers. DraftKings has like the tiers thing now. I haven't really touched that too much. I don't know if you have, but again, it's just something that we get to talk about. And we can kind of just pose ideas and and uh, you know getting information from each other. And yes, yeah, Stephen gets that. His articles are free on windailysports.com you know you don't even have to come into the discord chat for that you get all that information but it's so much nicer to be able to talk to him and get his ideas and understanding of what he's done along with yours and patrick's really be able to cross check all that information and then just roll with it from there so it is a blast but no very excited to see it we will see what happens but we're about to bring on our friend austin he is uh austin is back what is austin up what is austin what is up austin there we go hey guys how are you what's up austin Doing great, man. Doing great. And uh, yeah, Austin, uh, we had him on Tuesday, him and Rich. Austin is writing the EPL article. Is that done yet? Did I? Did, did you send that to it, me? It was done a few hours ago. I'm just waiting on your uh, final edits and oh, all the pictures will be up. I guess I'll take the L on that one then. So that Austin's article <laughs> will be up after this show is uh, finished airing. So excited to talk about that. But Austin, man, uh, I know we have way more EPL this weekend, as we spoke about on Tuesday. It is finally back. So we have a couple, we have a little slate tomorrow right i think just a couple games and we yeah, have two game or tomorrow four games saturday five games sunday or something like that so this weekend is going to be pretty bananas so talk to us about it man yeah so we got a uh two game slate tomorrow it's going to be three on sunday or three on saturday i'm sorry four on saturday Ooh. and three on sunday and then we even get into the monday tuesday this is going on non-stop there's not a day without epl now over probably the next four to five weeks um they're pushing all these games into a very small time frame and fitness levels are going to be tested very quickly yes. as we saw in the arsenal manchester city game uh two players got hurt in the first 20 minutes it's i mean th- those were kind of gruesome injuries but nothing you can do about it but fitness levels will definitely be tested yeah and and speaking about fitness levels i did a little digging i mean again we have nine games friday through sunday so any soccer fans out there any epl fans out there let's go let's have a good time so i did want to talk about some of the bets you're looking at but first thing that i did notice when looking at the slate a little bit is 
Arsenal's playing on Saturday, I think. They're playing Correct. on essentially three days rest. And now I know soccer's a little different. I'll be totally honest. I don't exactly know how it normally works. You have an A team, B team, blah, 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 blah. But with two players getting injured, I know there's some extra subs involved. But playing on three days rest, I feel like that is not the norm. How much are you fading them at this point? Uh, actually, not too much. Um, so the two players that Arsenal lost, uh, Granite Xhaka, their former captain, um, is quite easily replaceable in the midfield. Nikolai Pepe was actually benched in the first game, but he will definitely be back for Saturday. He takes all their set pieces, and he's actually one of my top plays for Saturday. Um, in the back line, they lost David Luiz to a straight red card, and thankfully so because he was absolutely dreadful when he came on from the 25th minute, gave up a pe- gave up a penalty, they lost him for a man, and he gave up the turnover, which led to the Sterling first goal. So, honestly, thankfully, he's done. Just get him out of there. Um, and it's slipping yeah, my mind. One, who, one the other player on, they lost. Um, one note on uh, David Silva, you said his name was, right? Uh, David Luiz was the David center Luiz. back for Arsenal. I'm sorry. Yep. sorry. I, I was listening to the game while it was on, on SiriusXM, on the FC channel at fc something or other fc here i don't know whoever the announcers were they were hysterical because they were just beating the shit out of both teams telling you how terrible they were playing and then yeah. once um uh louise david louise yep. i can't remember this dude's name i guess this is like it's the first time in like 15 years that whatever he did he had like this it, such a terrible game that they just for the rest of the game kept making fun of him because he led to the turnover to the goal, the penalty to a goal. As you said, he got like, he just did all this shit. And they're like, this is honestly the first time this has happened in like 15 years. And they're just shitting on him for the rest of the yeah, game. Yeah. And David Luiz is not a bad center, center back at all. Honestly, I had him in my lineups before I found out he was not starting just because he wouldn't be able to rack up those defensive stats. You do want to play your center backs on FanDuel that are typically playing the best offense and for mm-hmm. decent price as well. And actually, that brings me back to the other person that Arsenal lost was their uh, center back, Mari. He was only $6 on Vandal, which is unbelievable value, and got hurt in the 20th minute. And he was about 25 30% owned in GPP, which is a big loss for something like that. But as we saw, those value plays in the first game are huge. We found out that a $5 defender for Sheffield United was playing, and Rich and I were all over that in the Discord. I had no idea too much about him before the game started, but you can never fade a $5 defender on FanDuel, especially when you've got these Man City players that you need to fit in there. And, I mean, as you saw, the results paid off by having him in there and plugging in Man City. Yeah, we had we made a lot of money. I didn't, but the Discord did. The Wendelli family made a lot of money on uh, on that Wednesday, which was fantastic. So what about, I guess we should probably have started with that Friday uh, slate, the one that you have the article coming out for. So who's playing on Friday? I know we have two games. And what do you what do you liking and uh, who, who are we looking at for, for DraftKings and FanDuel? Yeah, so it's actually going to be a kind of a weird slate tomorrow because we haven't seen Tottenham at their best in a very long time. Uh, So the first game is going to be Norwich and Southampton, both teams in the bottom 10. Norwich have lost both their center backs uh, for the forbidable future. And they've got a really makeshift defense that we're going to see. Center back by the name of Tim Closa hasn't played since January 1st of 2019 and is expected to start tomorrow. He's the cheapest player on the entire slate on FanDuel and DraftKings. I'm not sure he's going to go the full 90. I highly doubt he's going to go the full 90. But for $5, I mean, 
that's going to get you your, some of your big names that you're going to see in your later game. Uh, Southampton's, they're not really big favorites in this game. Um, last I was looking at the odds, they're actually, let's take a look here. You can get them right now at plus 120, and that's really not that bad of a bet. Um, I actually would prefer the over two and a half, uh, and that's at minus 127. I actually like both games to go over two and a half. Uh, the second game you're looking at is Tottenham and Manchester United, which is another firecracker of a game at three o'clock. Uh, and like I said, they've been without Harry Kane for months. Harry Kane is now back. Sun Myung Lin or Sun Hyun Min, uh, forgive me, was in the army for South Korea for the last three months. It was got called to active duty, and it COVID could not have been a better time for Tottenham. They got all of their players back. Sun is back. I mean, he's top two player on the team, and he just serves a military <laughs> active duty. And now he's back. He, you know, he's in great shape. He has to be. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. I don't know a lot about the South Korean army, but I'm sure that they've got to keep keep up uh, great stamina and everything. So he's definitely in, he's got to be in match shape. Um, so I looked I looked for that offense to definitely put up put up some goals. Uh, they are a slight underdog even at home against Manchester United. I don't see it that way. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit even, but I give the edge to uh, Tottenham in the in the long run there. So I the, the one thing I really liked about what you just said was over two and a half goals in both games because yeah. I watched some of that first game and it was boring, man. I know soccer yeah. ended in a 0-0 game, but it just wasn't played very well either. Sia, did you watch either of those games um, this past, on, on Wednesday? No, I, I saw the highlights of that center back that was just awful. And then I noticed the other game was a 0-0 draw. And so I was like, oh, okay, ho-hum. But, I, you know, I, I'm curious, though, because I'm looking at those those overs of the, um, I guess it's Norwich City and the Tottenham over. Um, is there one that you like better than the other? I mean, it's so hard for, for, for the non-soccer fans, you know, like myself. It's so hard for me to imagine like a high scoring soccer game so like what would be the reason in one of these games that the, that you would think other than just fitness and things of that nature that this would maybe hit three goals or maybe even four or something like that uh so i'm going to start off with the norwich game uh norwich has been very very shaky at the back all year long and that's with everybody healthy uh danny ains for southampton had been having an absolute killer year until roughly about three to four games before uh we hit the quarantine and covid um so i look for him to get right back right back to where he left off before that break. Um, and with such a makeshift defense, I really don't see them doing too much defensively. Uh, now, on the flip side, Southampton's defense really isn't that great either. Um, Slower-paced center backs. Uh, their, their wingers are decent. Uh, Ryan Bertrand's typically is going to be your left back, and he's very attack-minded. So I think that there's definitely going to be some openings for both teams. It's more about, I think the chances are definitely going to be there to easily put this over two and a half. Um, probably three goals is pretty realistic. Uh, four and five, you're kind of pushing it. Um, but in that second game, that's where I don't think you're pushing it is because both teams are so attack minded and Mourinho is going to have them firing on all cylinders. Ole is going to have Manchester United firing on all cylinders. Uh, Tottenham actually got in trouble multiple times for violating uh, quarantine rules for training. Uh, Mourinho was holding mini training sessions, having certain players go to, into groups and just actually train. So they're they're ready to go. And while we're actually on the Manchester United subject, a little shout out to Marcus Rashford. I'm not sure if you guys have seen what he's done uh, over in England. 
Uh, so actually their government had shifted to not allow the, basically the government to pay for the meals for the children that are going back to school and for all those families that were out of work. Uh, they can't afford meals for their kids. And Rashford started this whole campaign, uh, literally one of the top players in England doing this called Make a U-Turn, basically, and actually got the entire government to switch their stance on it. All those meals are going to be fully funded now. And a lot of vulnerable families are now kept up. So Amazing. Awesome. Shout definitely, out. So cool. Definitely a good thing we like to see. What's his name? Let's try and get him on the podcast. Uh, Marcus Rashford. <laughs> if you can get him on here, that'd be a miracle. Uh, Austin, <laughs> when you're finished here, at him in the in the uh, Wind Daily on where where we're live on uh, Twitter, and then see if, see if he'll come on and just just let him know he's more than welcome to come in. You can send him the invite, honestly. Um, <laughs> but no, man, I think that is fantastic, and yeah, I'm I'm excited for more EPL. You guys got me all pumped on Tuesday, and then I watched that first game. I was like, damn it, Austin and Rich got me. Yeah, they got there should me, have been the first me. goal. There should have been a goal in the first game. Yes, to be yes. fair. Uh, there was a lot of controversy uh, due to the first goal line technology mishap in over matches. Uh, the ball was clearly over the line. Uh, Sheffield United were robbed of three points. And that would have actually, and that's one of the things we touched on Tuesday, they should be in the top five right now. That could be a legal battle at the end of the year. If this costs them Champions League, that's a difference in like 50 to 60 million. Um, I have a good, do they not have instant replay? Like that was obvious. I don't understand why. So why was everything went blank. Uh, apparently, VAR was obstructed. Uh, he looked. The referee, uh, drawn drawn a blank on who was refing that game, was actually looking at his watch and not getting any signal whatsoever. Getting nothing from above, so they were getting nothing. And yeah. For, yeah, well, the, I, I, the mob was getting something. Yeah, yeah oh, exactly. somebody's getting a lot on that. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, not too many people were backing Aston Villa to win this game, anyways. So you'd be surprised. Unless the mob is Austin, Villa well, they, they, so they might be betting a draw. That's true. Don't be so naive. The under two and a half, though, was definitely an easy one. If, that, if it, we're looking in that regard, there you Ford, go. I did see. Um, I was listening to Veasan this morning, and I think um, what is it? Follow the money, uh, mm-hmm. Mitch and Pauly, right? Those dudes, those yep. dudes make me laugh. Um, they were saying, I think, if FanDuel came out and gave everybody their money back, if you bet on that game, pretty much, and wow. you had, I can't remember if, if it was a specific side you had or if it was just everybody. I think anyone who had the draw probably would have been pissed off if they got their money back, so I'm sure it's fine. But yeah, FanDuel came out, they pretty much were like, yeah, you guys are, it's very clearly it was a goal. Um, I don't know if you guys, see, see, did you see it? It was just like blatant. Oh, yeah. It was insane. Uh, yeah. So it was, I, it was I don't obvious. Know. Exactly. It was the first time ever that VAR never worked or some BS, but it is what it is. Well, I guess we'll we'll figure it out next time. But yes, now Austin, don't be so naive. There's a lot of money at stake here, as you said. <laughs> 50, 60 million dollars. I'm sure somebody doesn't want them there. Yeah, um, definitely. We'll see. Definitely. We'll see. Um, so Austin, what else do you have? Do you have any good bets? Do you have any good plays for uh the Saturday and Sunday slate for us? Um, yeah, I think money. Uh, I'm losing think- money on golf because he <laughs> led me the wrong way this week. So, well, we'll hey, see. You relax. We got three days to go. I don't know. I'm sitting pretty thanks to see his pick. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of liking it so far. I've got a couple good guys at the top. And uh, actually, it might have been Patrick that put me on. Is it Hovland? I'm uh, sorry? On who? I, I'm not sure how you say it. Is it Hovland? Ho- Hovland? Oh, Victor Hovland. Victor yeah. Hovland. I think that yeah. was Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Patrick put me on him. And he's sitting pretty nice at the top. So I've, mm-hmm. I'm sitting okay going into day two. But – um. I actually like uh, – you're going to have to wake up early if you want money on this. 7.30 on Saturday morning. I love Leicester away at Watford. Once again, these 
away games really don't matter too much as far as where you're playing at. You're playing in front of nobody. The only thing that's different is pitch dimensions. And it's really not going to play too much. It's into effect. Uh, you're looking more at who's probably going to be the better team. And Leicester is still up there. Uh, they're fighting for a Champions League spot. Um, so I definitely look for them to do well. Although Watford did beat Liverpool in the game before COVID. Mm-hmm. But that was also three months ago. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was a minute ago. Um, and you do bring up Liverpool, and I did have a quick question about them. So they yep. need just two more wins to take it all home, right? Like, essentially, Correct. that's really all they that happened. They also win it on Monday. Yeah, uh, if Man City loses, right? Man City loses, and they were to beat Everton, mm-hmm. which would, honestly, that would be my personal that, wish. That was going to be my question. How, how hard are you going to try and hammer Liverpool here, knowing if they win this, they have the potential to win it all? Uh, so... I, I definitely have them winning this game against Everton. It is a Merseyside Derby. Uh, Rich and I talked about that earlier in this week. I think their odds are way too way too low. Uh, my, I think they're at minus 167 right now. And, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be on that. Um, but they actually play my personal team of Crystal Palace on Tuesday, and I never want to see a, my team lose the team winning the title that game. And that actually brings us to the little rivalry between those two teams uh, back in 2014, uh, call it Christambul, uh, Liverpool were the clear favorites to win the title. It was 3-0 in the 78th minute against Christambul. Oh, no. Did we lose him? Oh, no. Austin, no. It was going to be... Wait, now I can't even hear you, Sia. Oh. Uh, I can hear you. I can hear okay. you now. Yeah. Oh wait, looks like we got Austin back. All right. All right, Austin. We lost you for a second right, there, good. man. You scared us. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, three nil, seventy eighth minute. This is prime Luis Suarez before his move to Barcelona. Um, and Crystal Palace pulled the comeback. Uh, Damian Delaney scored one goal from outside the box, and Dwight Gale ended up scoring two goals, tied it at three three. And if you guys are familiar with the famous slip. Uh, from Steven Gerrard. Uh, it was basically a back pass. Steven Gerrard slipped, and Dembaba took it for Chelsea. Breakaway scored. It cost Liverpool the title. That was the very next game. They could have sealed that title with the win against Crystal Palace. So that game's definitely going to mean something to them if if they have the chance. Um, obviously, they're going to win it one way or another. Um, if you haven't taken advantage of the FanDuel bet uh, for new users, it's you get plus 500 odds on Liverpool to win the title that are literally minus 10,000. It's, it's a $10 bet, but Hey, it's a free 50 bucks. Yeah. Anybody out there, uh, our link for FanDuel will be in the show notes in case you want to use that and, uh, snag yourself a couple bucks. So we appreciate you there, Austin. And yeah, I, uh, one minus 167. And, and I understand what you're saying with crystal palace, but it sounds like, Sounds like Liverpool has too many games left to not win it at this point. So we'll see what happens. But it should be yeah, fun. we can see them resting some players on Tuesday too if they were to if they were to rack that win up and then win the title on Monday. Anything. So rest might start to play into a fa- or into effect. You might start to see some younger guys, uh, some guys that you saw in the FA Cup. Um, so that definitely changes aspects on like how how I'm going to start looking at games, who's going to be taking set pieces, but. As of now, I, I, I think that we're going to see Jurgen Klopp playing the full team for probably the foreseeable future. I love it, man. Good stuff. Austin, where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at 
A-U-S-T-I-N-H-A-R-1-7, and I will always be in the Discord. Austin is always in the Discord. Austin was sending me messages at like 6.15 this morning, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I've already been up for like an hour and 30 minutes. He's like, oh my gosh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, Austin... three-hour drives to work are killing me, but one more week of that. Good luck, buddy. Well, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today, Austin. Thanks for helping us win some money. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having See me. See you, Austin. Thanks, buddy. Let's win some money, man. Soccer. It's uh, it's back. I like Austin's takes. I like the overs. I think that's the thing I'm most excited about. I watched that first game, and it was so boring. I need some goals, man. I need. I know it's American, blah, 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 but I need some goals, right? I think I think I might take both those over bets. I yeah. mean, I, I, I liked the rationale. I mean, it's soccer, you know, you, you never know. But the, the cool thing about the over-under bets is there's there's no draw in place. Like, you know, the, the way my site works is like it's it's win or lose or you can bet the draw. And I just don't really appreciate that being an option. So at least the over-under, you know, it's hit or miss. It's like roulette. They put those uh, the zero and the double zero just to mess with you. So people like me, when I just put all my money on red, one of these times I'm not going to get it, but we appreciate Austin. Everybody make sure to go hit him up on Twitter. As he said at Austin, H A R 17, make sure to go over there. And as he also said, he is, he's literally always in the discord. It's absolutely impressive. So mm-hmm. see ya, you know what time it is. It's time to talk some NFL news. We got some fun stuff. Well, I guess it's really not that fun. A um, couple things of note. Obviously we saw some teams come back this week and we also saw a bunch of players including ezekiel elliott test positive for covid19 not a great look um i think there was a couple college teams i know again we're not really going to be talking too much college football but i think the texas university of texas had like 27 percent of their team test positive or 27 people or 17 percent. it was an absurd number of people test positive kids test positive and again it just kind of brings it back they're not getting paid so what the hell is going on there? But that's a, another conversation for another time. Let's talk about the NFL. I think we had the Texans and the Cowboys, and it wasn't looking good. There's been a bunch of people. Does this worry you at all, especially with someone like Zeke? Um, we know it's respiratory. We know he's a running back. We know he's going to get in the ball a lot. Does that affect it at all, or are you pretty much just saying he's like 25 years old? There's really not going to be any problems with him at all. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that for pretty much every NFL player, as long as them testing positive is some, you know, a month or two removed from the actual NFL season starting, you know, I, you know, obviously if you go into quarantine for 14 days, you're not going to be working out. So there's something to be said for that. Just from a pure health standpoint though, I'm not really so so the demographic that these you know NFL players are in from an age standpoint is not really the demographic that's being um you know, that's, you know, worried about actually like you know, dying from COVID and things of that nature. And I, there's no need to like break out statistics, but it's it's like that 50 and up or that pre-existing condition, t- you know, demographic or, or people that are actually like really, you know, should be worried about uh, acquiring COVID. But no, I'm not really worried about this. You know, the public perception is a worry for me, but the NFL is really good about kind of bucking public perception. I, I don't really think Roger, Roger Goodell, who of course works for the owners, I don't really think he cares, you know, that some people are going to, you know, wag a finger and say, hey, look at these people getting COVID. I mean, you know, there is a there is a positive spin to that, too. This is like the lawyer in me working. You know, all these people that you're talking about, whether it's University of Texas or the NFL players, they do have COVID. That's not good. But then most likely 100 percent of those people are going to recover and, you know, won't have any sort of lasting effect from it after, you know, 10 to 14 days. So, you know, the spin, of course, is, yeah, they got it. That's that that's not good. But we're taking the necessary precaution. They're quarantining. And then after two weeks, you know, they're back and they're fine. And so look like this isn't, you know, 
going to be a big issue, you know, yeah. for our players getting it. So uh, I'm not really worried. You know, Dr. Fauci mentioned something today about the NFL and, you know, whether or not they're going to they're going to start and, and, and the issues involved. It looks to me like all of these leagues, whether it's the NBA or the NHL or the NFL, are all taking the necessary precautions to get sports back on the mm-hmm. table. And I think most public sentiment, you know, it, there's Twitter sentiment and then there's like actual, you know, the actual public. So, you know, I think Twitter probably represents, you know, or the social media, I should say, you know, a lot of those like finger wagging, you know, some of it for good reason, some of it not. That's like 10% of like the population, I think, ultimately. And then there's the rest of the people. So I think the NFL is going to start on time unless there's some event that happens beyond what we've already learned. Obviously, if there's a staff person or if there's a coach that legitimately gets sick, which of course is a possibility, and they're hospitalized, for example, maybe they don't die, but they're in, you know, in the ICU for a few days, then I think you have to sort of pause and, and make sure that you really have taken all the necessary mm-hmm. precautions. Because, you know, th- there could be a scenario where maybe some of the older coaches or staff members, maybe they just have to stay home, just period. Maybe they just have to be in their own little like press box at home and, and you know, so to speak, and, you know, working remotely. And those people who don't have a pre-existing issue or who may be younger and not as affected by it, maybe they can sort of, you know, get out there with the team and stuff. So that might be a step that the NFL needs to take. But no, I, I'm not worried about the issues that are popping up now. It's it's definitely, it's interesting to say the least, just to kind of see what's going on and how it's going on. And I don't know, I think I think everyone's going to be fine. I think it's all going to be fine. I, you, you make a really good point when it comes to the older coaches, obviously. I mean, someone, I don't think Wade Phillips is on a team right now, but he's old, man. He's like in his 70s. I mean, Bill Belichick is old. They're very old. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things you have to like you. Obviously, that is that demographic we're talking about. It's it's just so interesting to me just to kind of, as you say, you know, that's one thing that's very important that people forget. You spend too much time on Twitter. You think that is the real world. Well, it's it's 10 percent of the population and it's the most um, aggressive 10 percent mm-hmm. of the population. I think mm-hmm. we can say uh, the most, you know, I don't want to throw that crazy word around um, hyperactive. Um Couple, couple of like words like that. That is that ten percent of the population. It's an echo chamber. You follow the people who you want to follow, so you only mm-hmm. see the things you want to see, and then you assume that that's really what's going on in the world. When you cannot assume that at all, that's actually the the worst thing to do. So I totally agree with you there. That's our little statement on social media. But you should absolutely follow Wind Daily Sports at Wind Daily Sports <laughs> on Twitter if you're over there. I think that's really important. And Sia Najad and Michael Rizil one. I mean, you might as well, right? So just to be clear, though, I mean, social media has an amazing purpose too. you know, with with this Black Lives Matter movement and and a lot of other causes that are really kind of sprung by social media. The problem is, you know, you you know, you have to sort of take the good with the bad. And there is a bad part. And, you know, and there is a part that, you know, you, you talked about people who just follow people that kind of confirm their own beliefs. It's 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 the embodiment of confirmation bias. It's the embodiment of I believe this thing. I'm going to, whether you realize it, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I'm going to follow this person that I know believes that thing so that when they say something, I can shake my head and agree with it. And so the problem with social media is you, without even realizing it, you have boxed yourself in intellectually. And what you really need to do is take a broad spectrum of things, whether it's in social media or outside social media and surround yourself with people who have differing opinions so that maybe your opinion can grow or you can grow somebody else's opinion. And so that's my like little take on social media, like kind of like expand your horizon a little bit. I like that from our resident lawyer. Rich is our other resident lawyer, but you're always here with me and, and Rich isn't. So you're our resident lawyer as always, and we appreciate you. Yeah. Some more news in the NFL. This one kind of sucks just in general because you never like to see someone get hurt. But Debo 
Um, you have Debo Jones written down here. Debo Samuel <laughs> uh, fractures his uh, foot. Liz Frank, not Liz Frank. No, no, Jones, no, no, that's Jones funny. No, this, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh, this is I a funny production error <laughs> moment. So, uh, you know, nobody calls him Debo Samuel. They just call him Debo. So I type yeah. in Debo Jones fracture. That's funny. And I read Debo Jones has a fracture. All right. Debo Samuels <laughs> has a Jones fracture, three to four months to recover. Sometimes has complications. I was checking out, uh, I think Stefania Bell from ESPN came out and said, because it's the first thing that's pretty much ever happened to his foot, he's probably going to be fine. I also saw another couple of statistics saying, you know, if he comes back before 10 weeks, the chances to re-aggravate is like over 20%. If he comes out after 10 weeks, it's going to be much lower. So he should be on pace to hit the that week one mark. So we know you're you're heavy, heavy, heavy on the San Francisco 49ers, especially to win the division at, at, at a minimum. I don't remember what you have as the over under for the team if you're taking the over. But does this affect your bet at all? Um. Well, my advice would be if you haven't taken the San Francisco 49ers to win the NFC West. And by the way, in the last couple months, you know, we I touted this to literally when mm-hmm. the schedule came out. Um, it's about two to it's about even money. And so what I would say to anybody who hasn't taken that bet, which is the majority of people, frankly, because usually people wait to their detriment, is that this will probably go up to instead of like, you know, to like even money, it might go up to plus, you know, 130. And so you're getting a little bit more value because this is a big injury. This is clearly their number one receiver. And, you know, the the thing about San Francisco is it takes a while for these receivers and a quarterback, frankly, to really understand the Kyle Shanahan playbook. Uh, I know this from my own experience tracking the Niners, but I also know this from, from Niners insiders that I talk to. It takes some time, whether you're Jimmy Garoppolo or Debo Samuel, it takes some time to really get acclimated and accustomed to the playbook. And so, what you have is a situation where Debo is already there. Now, Dante Pettis was never there, and that's part of the reason he was in the doghouse. Jalen Hurd was hurt last year. Trent Taylor was hurt last year. Brandon Ayuk is a rookie. So they have all these sort of like, you know, B-minus weapons or potentially B-plus or A-minus weapons, but none of them are, are really like have the sophistication to go out there week one and like really perform. So it's definitely a problem, but I still love the 49ers to win the NFC West. I would just wait, you know, I, you may as well wait on it because, mm-hmm. you know, Debo Jones fracture isn't coming back anytime soon. So um, I still love the bet though, to answer your question. And that's why we do it live people. That's why we do this live. I think that is fantastic. And I, I agree with you. I don't think uh, he, I mean, considering they had as many wins as they did and they did win the division, he really didn't come on towards the end of the season, at least in a major, major role. I mean, I just actually rewatched the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago now, and I forgot how he was open like the whole game and they just kept feeding him the ball, especially in that first half. Obviously, we all know what happens in those last like eight minutes. It's just the Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs show, but he had a pretty damn good game. Um, and yeah, it's, it's crazy. It sucks. Obviously, we never really want to see somebody get hurt. You never want to see that. And especially, especially someone that is so promising. There we go. Really live tonight. See, we're really live tonight. <laughs> so I don't know. I was excited. I mean, some of the if you had any of the over bets on him, I know there was a couple uh, obviously receiving yards. And I think he even had on FanDuel, if I'm not mistaken, there was actually a combined receiving and rushing with him because he does get the ball occasionally out of the backfield. Uh, so I don't know. I would obviously take the unders on that now, but I don't think it's going to affect the team that much, especially because there is the possibility he d- is back by week one. It'll probably just slow down his production for those first four or five weeks and then get right back into it. So I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, I will tell you this, um, because I don't think Debo will be there week one to play. And, you know, he probably won't, you know, just like you said, he probably won't really be really going until week four. He might be on pop. Who knows? 
Trent Taylor is a guy who was injured in camp last year and is a guy who Kyle Shanahan really likes. And he's actually a pretty good receiver. So my, my, my year-long fantasy advice, if not my DFS advice for the first few weeks, is keep an eye on Trent Taylor. If you're in a PPR league in particular, that's definitely a guy to, to, to nab in the last round of your draft because I actually think he's going to have more value than anybody thinks. This is something we can talk to uh, at Sticks Picks about. Um, I know you guys did a wide receiver preview, but obviously you probably didn't preview Trent Taylor because he's way down on any potential list. But uh, keep an eye on him with Debo out. You know, they don't have a lot of, quote, go-to guys. And like you said, Debo was open a lot. Like that is more product of Kyle Shanahan than it is of Debo Samuel. And that's not taking anything away from Debo Samuel, but we all know whether Kyle Shanahan is with the Redskins or whether he's with the Atlanta Falcons or whether he's with the San Francisco 49ers, he makes everybody better on offense. Running backs like Devontae Freeman, quarterbacks like Robert Griffin III, um, Debo Samuel, receivers for the San Francisco 49ers. He turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. And I personally think Matt Ryan is an, is, is an average quarterback. I'll say it again. So Kyle Shanahan, he'll, he'll get these receivers going. I think Trent Taylor is a guy to take a, take a uh, peek at. Yeah, you uh, you're really right on that, Matt Ryan. I mean, I think he's good. Uh, average, yeah. I'd say above average. I don't know. Okay, but how above average? I mean, is he top? Is he top twelve quarterback in the league? We can't do this right now. I, I don't want to make myself look like a fool. Even don't more. worry about it. I can answer it for you. The answer is no. He's not a okay. top twelve quarterback in the league. Now he has plenty of weapons that statistically might get him to a top twelve quarterback, but I just don't see him as a top. I don't think he has a great arm for one, and he's not mobile. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an accurate, he's a, he's Kirk cousins. Sorry guys. Ooh. He's Kirk cousins. Yikes. You give Kirk, listen, you give Kirk cousins Ridley and Hooper last year Jones. and, and, and Julio Jones and Julio Jones. And let's see what Kirk cousins does with that. I guarantee you, he can put up the same, and I no way to prove it, but I guarantee he can put up the same type of stats that Matt Ryan does. Empty guarantees, man. They're the best because you're never going to find out. You're never going to find out. Always right, right? I I appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. You're always going to be right (laughs) on that one. So it is unfortunate, but we will see. We're we're, we're hoping the best for him, for Mr. Debo Jones fracture there. And then the last bit of NFL news that kind of came out, you know, only about an hour, hour and change before we decided to go on tonight. Jamal Adams, got that name right, wants to be traded to a real team does not want to be on the Jets anymore. He This has kind of come up multiple times in his tenure with the Jets. He is really, really, really good, and the Jets are con- consistently bad. Um, he had that incredible game against the Giants last year where he he had like two or three sacks. He had that strip sack of Daniel Jones, just ripped it out of his hands, ran it in for a touchdown. It was absolutely fantastic. So Jamal Adams then came out with... You mean, you mean when Daniel Jones handed it off to Jamal Adams? Essentially, yeah, at that point. He, he yeah, pretty much okay. just said, here you go. I don't want to be sacked anymore because poor Daniel Jones was sacked a lot last year. But Jamal Adams came out and said, you know, I want to trade. And then he came out with the teams he wants to be traded to. And it's the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners, and the Seahawks. So essentially only playoff teams... And only like teams that actually have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. Um, first, I mean, a any of these teams would gladly take Jamal Adams. I don't think that's a question. It really just comes down to price at that point. But where do you think he's going to land if he lands anywhere at all? Or where I guess where do you want to see him land? I think that's a more fun question. Well, I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, and I like the over on their win total, which is eleven. So I guess I'd like him to be on the Ravens because I think the Ravens, uh, they're going to be clearly over the top if they have Jamal Adams. But the thing is, when you have a player that advertises that he wants to leave, that team that he's on loses all their leverage to get Mm -hmm. capital back. And so 
I don't think he's going anywhere. And I, you know, if Jamal, you know, I think Jamal Adams, this is like the third or fourth iteration of him sort of doing yes. this. And he's never been traded. And, all, you know, it's always like three weeks later that he has something that he tweets out where like it sounds like everything is fine again. So I don't know where it's going to go, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Like of this list, the only people that would disregard the leverage that the Jets have lost as a result of Jamal Adams opening his mouth again or opening his his social media is, of course, the Bill O'Brien led Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. It would probably give away like two first round picks and like, you know, some future star uh, you know, on, on the offensive line or something yeah. for a Jamal Adams. So I'm obviously being facetious in, in terms of like what they don't actually offer. Actually, I don't think you are. I think you're honestly, it's probably something we would, if, if you honestly saw that come down, would you say there's Bill O'Brien just added again, a mastermind? No, if, of course if I'm the Jets GM, and I hear Jamal Adams say that I'm saying, I'm saying to myself as the GM, I'm saying, okay, he's staying here. He's a future star. He's young. He's staying here. We lost all our leverage, but I'm going to call Bill O'Brien real quick. Just real quick. That's what I say to myself. And if Bill O'Brien hangs up the phone on me and we don't have a deal, then Jamal Adams, you're going to be happy in New York because there's nowhere else we're shipping you. Yeah, I like that. I mean, after the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and then we all we all eviscerate him for that, and we turn around and... Um... What's his face gets traded. Uh, Stefan Diggs gets traded to the Bills for a one. Everyone's like, okay, do you see Bill O'Brien? This is why you're bad at all your jobs. <laughs> He's consistently in the playoffs, though. We will have, we, you have to say that, but that offensive yeah. line is always terrible. And yeah, he traded away the house for Laramie Tunsil, who then turned around and said, yo, give me like 60 million over three years. They had to do it because what were they going to do? Let him go. So it's fun to watch Bill O'Brien do things. It makes me laugh. Uh, so that is our NFL news, a little bit of MLB news. You put you put it in the notes, man. You're killing me. It looks like we're back in business, but not really. Uh, there were late negotiations yesterday. Everyone, the internet especially, up in arms. Everyone was so excited. It looked like the MLB and the MLBPA finally came close to a deal because the MLB announced it. The MLB is like, yep, looks like we have a deal, everybody. We're going to be good to go. And then what does the MLBPA come out and say? It's like, no, we never agreed to a deal. We have no idea why they would assume we agreed to a deal. Now, the cynic in me says this is the MLB leaking its own news and putting out this press release to make it sound like it's the players. Again, we all know it's the owners and we hate them and we're all about the players because this is starting to get ridiculous. But the MLB offered a 60-game season. The MLBPA said, no, 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 we need at least a 70-game season. So it's probably going to come down to a 60-game season because the MLB is just going to wait it out at this point. But the one thing, so they are 10 games apart. And about $275 million apart in terms of revenue split and money and some of the things that are included. The MLB uh, PA wants a 70-game season, July 19th. This is September 30th, 50-50 split on the new postseason. Forgiveness of salary advance. We don't have to go into that. Universal DH, which is great. And this one is the one that makes me laugh. Clubs are granted permission to sell advertisement patches on the uniforms. It's the KBOCA. We get, as long as they give me the bat flips, I'm going to be just fine. We're going to have the Samsung Mets. We're going to have the, uh, I don't know, what's another, uh, the, the Facebook Giants out there. I think that would be fun. <laughs> nice little Bay Area company. I, I don't know, man. This is just, I thought I'd be more angry, but at this point it's just kind of expected and I'm just depressed, I think. I mean, I think we're quibbling over kind of small things at this point. And so yeah, exactly. I know the players always think they get jobbed on these these contract negotiations. And it's usually because they do. But I mean, you know, this is sort of a, a, a different situation. So I'm I'm sort of shifting my um, how do I put this? My blame to the the players at this point, if they can't sort of try to 
figure something out here. So I don't know. It doesn't matter what I think. And honestly, I don't know the intricacies of, of all the little details in the revenue. Frankly, maybe some of the players don't either. And that's part of their gripe. But listen, if we're really debating over 60 versus 70 games, like honestly, you you are the baseball purist of, of us too. Like, does that really matter? I understand 70 would be better, but does it really matter to, to you as a fan? Because because I want to know, like from a fan's perspective, I, I think the players should know that like, you know, are we gonna have baseball or not like 60 65 70 68 just give me some baseball i want more games just because i've gotten zero so far um was watching the kbo and the afl this morning so that was a lot of fun but i think it's it, it's more of the 275 million dollars and at this point both sides kind of just have to dig their heels in we we know what the owners are doing and why they're doing it trevor bauer had an absolutely fantastic just twitter thread on what exactly they're doing rob manfred went from 100 percent certain to like three days later that he wasn't 100 percent certain and everyone's like well how what literally what changed like what possibly changed and it turns out the owners only want to pay for a season that's about 60 to 50 games long so if they don't see a reason they can just stall out for a couple more weeks and then they can say oh no everything is fine we can start here the owners have all of the leverage because all they have to do is just say no to everything until it gets to the point where there's like, well, we don't have any more time. I guess we have to have a 50 game season. And I mean, a 50 game season again, it's, I don't know, it's 60 to 70 games. I want baseball. So whatever, let's just get there. But at this point it's starting to get to, it's, it's just starting to get ridiculous. And that short of a baseball season, the nationals were like, I wrote it down. They were 19 and 31 after 50 games. The Dodgers went 43 and seven a couple years ago in a 50 game stretch. How ridiculous of a record would that be? If in 50 games, it's like, Oh yeah, one team, you know, they didn't even have 10 losses. You know, they're, they're 41 and nine. The Yankees start out nine and nine. It feels like every year for the last three or four years, that's 30% of a 60 game season. That's when you're going to start to press, right? Nine and nine does not matter when we're playing 162. But if you're playing 50 or 60 games, and you, 50 especially, and you start out the season 10 and 10, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles can start the season out, I don't know, 14 and six, and the whole division's up on its head and nothing makes sense anymore. So the longer a season, the more chance the, the better teams are actually going to run. So just from a... Yeah, just from a betting standpoint, and that's sort of where I'm coming from with baseball. It is actually a profitable sport for me yeah, to yeah. bet on, even though it's it's not one of my favorite sports. From a betting standpoint, it's really exciting to have a shorter season because you can take a team like the Reds, for example, and just, you know, they're going to be what, you know, probably like 55 to one or something crazy, you know, 50 to one or even maybe 75. I have no idea. But the point is, you can take a team like that and put a few bucks on some of those like like the Toronto Blue Jays out of the Chicago White Sox, who are that court quote, up and coming team every year, it seems. Yeah, right. And and if the, if that team or one of those teams goes on like a like you said, like a 15 and five run, all of a sudden they're in pole position to make the playoffs. Holy cow. Like you can ride your bet out. You can start hedging it. You know, once once they start getting down towards playoff time, there's so much you can do with that type of season because of the anomalies of win streaks mm -hmm. from bad teams. So I, I'll be honest with you as a fan. I'd actually prefer the 50 to 60 game thing as opposed to the 70 game thing because it just gives me more potential opportunity to have a bet on a team that just happens to go on a nice little streak to start the season. And on top of that, they're looking to expand the playoffs to recoup some of the money that's involved too. So now we're going to be looking at, you know, baseball is one of these sports where there's always like the fewest. It used to only be eight teams and then they bumped it up. They added the wild cards. So then it got to 10. I think they're looking at 12 or 14 now or whatever the number is going to be. So a significant number, a significant more amount of teams are going to make it. So now we're going to have some real wacky looking numbers. If it's, you know, there's a team that's 20 and 30 making the playoffs and C is allowed to bet on them. And again, baseball, just like every sport, 
who's hottest right now. You know, if you're hot at the right time, I mean, I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs more than anything, but that's the opposite, right? If, if the angels just have a bad 20 game stretch, we still probably won't get Mike Trout in the playoffs, right? So it's just very frustrating. So I like the way you're looking at it. And if it's very profitable for you, I'm very excited to talk about it with everybody. Nice little dig at the White Sox. Um, suck at Nick. So he can uh, he can he can take that one home, take that one to the bank. But CMN, I don't even want to talk about baseball anymore. I appreciate you. This was a fantastic show as always. Thank you so much to Austin for hanging out with us. Make sure to hop into the Discord. I think C has actually been on it this entire time. So anybody watching the live stream and see him answering questions, you know why? Because he's an incredible multitasker. But for <laughs> C and Najat, oh, check out the yeah, check out the Discord. Free day, three days for free. All the articles on the website for free. All you got to do is sign up for an account. We don't even ask for a credit card or anything. Sign up for an account. It's free. You get all the articles. You get to hang out with Sia for a couple of days. You get this. You get us. For Sia and Najat. Well, Sia, where can everyone find you on the internet? Hey, and by the way, speaking of articles, you've got an yes. article to publish on the EPL. So yes. let's, let's get cracking after this show. Thank you for reminding me. Board. Let me write that down. <laughs> yes. Sia. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at Sia Najad. That's at S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. Love it. You can find me at Michael Raziel one for Sia, for Austin, for myself, for the entire Win Daily family. We hope you make it a very profitable night.